we thank you that your name is powerful. Lord, and we thank you that this morning we're here because of everything that you've done. Nothing of what we've done. And Jesus, today we bask in your presence. Lord, we thank you that you are our creator. We are your creation. The apple of your eye. The one that you've given it all for. And today I pray, Lord, as we gather around your word, that your word would encourage us, it would strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, happy Mother's Day. Just before we begin to speak right now, or before I begin to minister, why don't you take a look at the screen um, behind us, and we've just got a little message for Mother's Day for all of our ladies. Today is a unique day, and it's far bigger than we think, because there are many different kinds of mothers, and all are being honoured today. For the mother who has chosen to stay at home while her children are little, may your patience be great and your influence even greater. For the single mum who never planned on doing this alone, may you be consistently strengthened by your Heavenly Father and may you hear His voice singing over you. For the mother who strives to balance work outside the home with love inside the home, may you be given energy validation and hope as you make the leap from one world to another every day. For mums who had poor mothers themselves, but who now refuse to let that pattern repeat itself, may the godly legacy you've started be carried on for generations to come. For mothers with grown adult children, may today be filled with laughter and joy, and may you experience deep satisfaction and fulfilment. For women who have no biological children of their own, but who mother younger women as mentors, may you understand your role as a calling from God and as a transformation of their hearts. Today is a unique day, so for all the mothers we've mentioned, and even those we didn't, be blessed, be honoured, be filled with joy. You are making the world a better place because you're filling it with a love that only a mum can give. Happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies and hopefully most of you will have received a gift in the post. We sent over 250 of them this week so if they aren't quite there with you yet they're en route to you unless you've never given us your address or you've moved and you've not let us know that maybe somebody that's moved into your home is now enjoying your gift on your behalf in which case just make sure to let us know at the end. We have got a few gifts if you um, if you um, haven't given us your address because we would love to bless you. But it's so good to be together on Mother's Day. And this morning, I just want to share a word to encourage us all as um, mums, as ladies, and also just um, just for all of us in general with regards to our relationships. 
I don't know about you, but I certainly was very excited on Friday to find out what the Welsh government was going to say in terms of gradually being unable to unlock our lives. So we're now able to meet with four adults outside. Whoop, whoop. I am waiting though with bated breath until they say we can go further afield because I don't know about you, but I'm a girl that likes to get out and about. I'm not really interested in shops and things like that, but I just love being out and about experiencing new things things. I'm the kind of person that if we've got any spare money to spend as a family, like take me on holiday somewhere. Let's go somewhere. I just love those kind of things. So I am looking forward to seeing what happens over the next weeks and months because I would just like to see something beyond Pine Gardens in Pontypool, if I'm honest. I would just like to see something a bit more. But as I was waiting to find out what would be happening, it got me thinking about the excitement I do feel when I go on holiday. There's certain holidays that we have and when we go, the primary reason I'm going is just to chill out. If we're on a campsite, I am happy to sit in my chair all day and just relax and pray that it's not raining and I'm basking in the sun. Um, So I love that. And then there's other holidays that we've gone on and it is, it's a kind of a sun holiday, you know, where you just want to sit by a pool and relax. And then there's holidays that we go on as a family that I really, really want to maximize the moment in. I really want to extract everything from it and really fill myself up with experience. And I can remember a number of years ago when my father retired, my mum and dad wanted to bless us and take us to Florida as a family. And I was like, oh no, no, you don't have to do that. And they're like, no, please, we really would like to. So I was like, okay. So knowing it was going to cost a lot of money and knowing we were going to Disneyland, I was like, do you know what? I want to make the most. I want to make the most of this theme park. Now we were going in the Easter holidays for two weeks and typically it means that Easter is one of the busiest times at Disney. So I'd kind of done a little bit of research and found out that crowd levels are going to be 10 out of 10 and they say on average the average family spending eight to ten hours in the park are only going to go on four rides. Four rides. That doesn't sound a lot to me. So I was like, how can I maximize this? I want more than four rides if I'm going all the way to Florida. So anyway, I happened upon this um, this, um, website called Touring Plans. And this website was really clever. And it kind of gathered all of the data from historical attendance in the parks. And it kind of let you know what you can expect on set days within Disney. So it would give you a crowd level indicator which parks would be quieter, which parks would be busier on set days so it was brilliant so I started planning and I'm like right we'll go to the quieter parks on certain days and then it also said to you if you know what rides you want to do pop them into the website and we'll let you know historically which way to um, navigate around the park based on those lines being the quietest at set times and I was like I am doing this I am doing this I want to extract everything so literally I had to create a spreadsheet for my holiday I had to create a spreadsheet. I had to find out what rides we wanted to go on. I had to tell them what time I was going to eat my lunch. I had to create this spreadsheet. But anyway, I did all of this and it took a lot of time and it took a lot of effort. But I've got to let you know, traveling eight of us with a under one, well, under a two-year-old, a a five-year-old, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old in tow, I want to let you know where the average family only goes on four rides during Easter in Florida. 
the Edwards family and my mum and dad, the Neil family, we did 18 rides a day. Yes! My planning paid off. And we were there, we were there before they even opened. And as so we were, literally the turnstiles, we'd be there waiting and there'd be this countdown. As soon as the turnstiles opened, I'd go, Dad, run and get the fast pass now! And he'd be running like this. Mum, run over to that right, start queuing. And we'd be doing all of this. We were on it, we were ready. It was not a spontaneous holiday, but I wasn't looking for spontaneous. I was working for my money's worth if we were going to Florida. And we got it. And I say all of that to say we planned for that holiday well and we enjoyed ourselves and made the most of what we had gone there for and it got me thinking do you know have you ever considered that God is a planning God concerning our lives he isn't somebody that just kind of like says oh you know throws something in the air and says oh whatever will be will be no God plans for our lives in Jeremiah 29 11 you'll be familiar with this scripture it says this for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. 2 Timothy 1 says this, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. God is an intentional God concerning our lives. God thinks about things. He thinks about how he wants our lives to look and he plans for us. That's why he gave us Jesus because when we messed up, he'd already put a plan in place to redeem humanity from sin, to bring us, draw us close to him so that we could have relationship with him the way that he created it. So if God plans for our lives, have you ever considered the thought of also that we can plan for our own lives? Now we know that life can't be scripted. We're not some Hollywood movie where we're able to kind of write, and she said, da, 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 and he said, da, 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 da. life can't be scripted. So in that case, we can plan, but we can't always guarantee what we plan for is going to happen. But even so, what I found is in planning for things, in planning for my holiday, it's almost like it gives me a focus. It's almost like it gives me a point in a direction from which to travel and even when curveballs of life come in and things don't quite go according to plan I still understand where I'm headed have you ever set goals before have you found when you set a goal you're far more focused to achieve that goal than if you have never set a goal in your life and I really believe that God wants us to plan concerning our lives and to plan concerning our relationships so this morning, I just want to share a simple word with us all on how we can look to plan for the things that value the most for us in our lives. And the reality is, that is the gift of people that God's given us to do life with. So we're going to have a little look at that. Almost, it's almost like this top tips, I suppose you could call. It's not exhaustive, it's just a few things. But I believe when we set a plan, when we make a decision to do something, when we're intentional, then we'll be surprised at the results that we um, receive as a result of our intentions and our decisions. 
So the first thing I want us to begin to look at today when we're looking at having success in our relationships is we need to respond and not react. We need to respond and not react. The reality is sometimes, like I said, we can't script life, but equally we don't have to be caught off guard. So what's the difference between a reaction and a response? Well, I read psychology today and I read about a psychologist and he said this in concern, um, concerning reactions. He said, a reaction is instant. It's based in the moment. It doesn't take into consideration long-term effects of what you do or what you say. A reaction is often survival orientated and on some level it can be a defense mechanism. What we react and the way we react could turn out okay but often we end up regretting our reaction. A response in contrast is considered, it usually comes more slowly it takes into consideration the well-being of not only you, but also of those around you. And it weighs the long-term effects and stays in line with our beliefs. I believe that God doesn't want us to react to the circumstances of life, but rather he wants us to respond to them. And there's a great scripture in James that illustrates this for us. You'll be familiar with it. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Slow to speak is a response, isn't it? It's not blurting out something or acting hastily when confronted with a situation or an argument or anything like that. When we're slow to speak, that's a response. Before we allow words to depart from our mouth, what am I going to say and how is that going to impact me and the people around me? And is what I'm going to say, be, is it going to be in line with my beliefs? Is it going to be in line with what I believe and what I want the outcome to be? So God, I believe, would like us to consider our responses in situations. You may say, but Faye, how can I do that? Life is so uncertain. How can I respond? How can I plan? Well, I want to say this. We've got to plan for the moment before the moment happens, even though we don't exactly know what it's going to look like. You may be like, well, how? Well, I love that the Bible is great at giving us the hows to do things. It just doesn't issue out advice. The Bible lets us know how we're able to do the things that um, are going to see us succeed and flourish in our lives. So let's have a look at this. In Ephesians 4.23, it says this. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That there is a demonstration of planning 
and choosing before the moment what's going to happen. When we put on something, it's a conscious decision. When we get dressed in the morning, we will dress according to the way we think our day is going to go, according to the weather, according to where we're going to end up in that day. And so we get to choose before we even wake up and get out of bed, what attitude am I going to bring into my day today? What way am I going to view my life today? We can plan for the moment before the moment and make a decision that we're going to put on our new nature. What's our new nature? It's the new life that God has given us in Christ Jesus. We're to put that on and we are to be and act according to that new nature. Colossians 3, 12 says this, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Again, this whole idea of clothing ourselves, this is the way that we walk out of the door. This is the way that we get out of bed, not with my... uh, not with our old nature looming over us that's antagonistic, that's quick to be angry, that's quick to speak, it's quick to find fault with people. No, we're to clothe ourselves and say, today I'm waking up and I'm making a decision that I'm going to put my new nature on that's filled with the life of God, not filled with my old way of thinking, my old way of doing things. We get to plan for this. We get to plan to live out this Christ life. And the great thing is, we're not doing it on our own steam. We're not doing this based on our own self-strength. Gosh, we'd fail every time if it was down to you and I. But the thing is, when God sent Jesus and we accepted Jesus into our lives, he said he was giving us another gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about it recently. And the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us and guides us and empowers us to live in all truth. And from our lives, the evidence of this new life can be found in the way that we act, in the way that we've changed. In Galatians 5, we hear about the fruits of the Spirit that become evident as a result of Jesus working from the inside out. Listen to what it says. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then it goes on further on in verse 22 and it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of our lives to other people. That is what we get to make a decision about. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in that. So I want to encourage us all today as we set out in our relationships, as we set out to want the best to want the healthy whole relationships. Let's make a decision to clothe and put on the new nature of Christ. Make a decision to respond and not react. Because I guarantee you, I don't believe any of us will ever look back at the end of our lives and say, 
I wish I'd spoken more harsh words to that person. I wish I'd harbored bitterness against that person for a longer period of time. I wish I'd really been angry with that person for a decade. I really wish I had. Do you know all of those things which come natural to us? That's why the Bible says his ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. All of those things which come natural to us, all of those things aren't the ones that are going to see us flourish in our lives. So that's why we can't react because our reactions often come from the old way of doing things. And we've got to choose to put on that new nature. So I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to help each one of us to lead us in responses. And we may need to remind Remind ourselves at the beginning of the day, right, Lord, fruit of the Spirit today is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, help me live that out. But do you know what? He empowers us to live that out and to live it out well. God doesn't set us up to fail. He doesn't say all of this so that we end up tripping up. He doesn't set the bar too high so that we feel frustrated. No, he says, this is what you've been made for. This is what I've empowered you to be able to live like. So let's respond and not react. The second thing I want to say in relation to building strong and flourishing relationships is let's be an example. A lot of the learning that we do in our lives comes from watching what others do or We see what people do and think, I don't want to do it that way. But a lot of our learning comes from observing other people, people that we love, people that we hold close. And we often begin to mirror or mimic that behavior because of what we see as um, role modeled to us. I can remember when Sienna was a baby and um, we had a little, I, we had three children under the age of three at one point and Sienna was just a baby, just learned to sit up and it was really full on in the house, little house and on the wet days, Daniel and Eden would be playing in the room and playing and then maybe tussling and then everything else and some, Sienna would be sat in her little um, playpen just watching. She could only sit but she'd be like this. And I was just like, this girl is absorbing everything that's going on. And you know what? We absorb everything that's going on, don't we? People are watching us. So we need to be a role model. We need to example what Jesus has done in us to the people that are watching us. How do we talk to people? How do we act towards others? How do we treat people? These are all things that we need to consider because James says we're not just to be hearers of the word who listens to everything, reads the Bible and says, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. 1 Corinthians 13, Dave's been talking at fantastic. He says, no, just don't read about it. Just don't hear about it. Come on, let's put some feet and action to what you're reading. We're to be doers of the word not just hearers. We're called to live this new life that's found in Christ. And we're called to live it because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
the wonderful thing is in this life that we're called to live and this life that we get to example and role model out is that we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus just didn't say these things. He exampled and role modeled how our life can look. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus role modeled this throughout his life here on earth and said, you can do this. You can have this available to you. 1 Timothy 4 says this, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Our words and our actions actually are visible to everybody. People are watching. And our love, our words, and our actions demonstrate to people how our lives are changed as a result of knowing Jesus. Now, we know that our lives can't be perfect. There's only one person that's ever been perfect that walk, has walked this earth, and that's Jesus. And we know that our lives are a work in progress. So we know where we want to go. We know the end destination. But sometimes we trip up, hey? We trip up. We make mistakes. We have good intentions. But sometimes we don't always hit the mark. And I, what I love about Jesus is that he makes provision for that. He makes provision for our mistakes. But do you know what? In concern, concerning our relationships, I believe oftentimes how we handle our mistakes can be a great powerful source of somebody being role modeled how to do things when they make mistakes. Because the reality is no one's going to be perfect. Our kids are watching us. And we make mistakes as parents. Our kids are going to go and make mistakes. So how can I role model to my children when they do make mistakes? This is the way to navigate through it. Sometimes our mistakes can be equally as powerful in demonstrating and role modeling to the ones that we love what to do when we don't quite hit the mark. So there's two things that I just want to encourage us in in how we can role model things when we don't hit the mark. And the first one is to apologize. Yeah. Apologies mean like you've got to like get that pride and you've got to stand on it. It's humbling to apologize, isn't it? But the reality is sometimes our words aren't always good. Sometimes the way we act is not always great. And sometimes we make decisions, and at the time they seem like good decisions. But in hindsight, we look back and we think, oh, that was just like not great. Do you know at those times, if people have been impacted by poor decisions, if people have been impacted by our words, and if people have been impacted by our actions, rather than just like sweep it under the carpet and think, oh, well, we'll just get on with it. Do you know sometimes it's really good to just retrace our steps, humble ourselves, and say to the people that we love and cherish, just say, do you know what? I really made a mistake there. And I just want to apologize to you. I want to apologize for the words I said or the way that I acted. Or I really didn't realize when I made that decision that it was going to have the impact it was going to have. Do you know sometimes that can have such a powerful impact and we're setting up the ones that we love to role model that in their world as well. 
to role model the fact that there's times where we have to humble ourselves. I know as parents, Dave and I, we're not perfect. We try our best, but we don't get it right. And sometimes we have to go to the kids and say, really sorry. We just, we got it wrong. But actually, in taking that step, hopefully that will role model to them when they get it wrong, that they can come humbly to the people that maybe have been affected by their words, their actions, or their decisions, and say, I apologize. So I want to encourage you today to be quick to apologize when we need to apologize. And the other thing to encourage us in when things happen, because life happens, mistakes happen, is be quick to forgive others. You know, we've all, we're all here, and we've all received great forgiveness from Jesus. Every day, we receive his forgiveness. And he never pushes us aside and says, right, that's it with you. He never does that. In fact, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, I remember your sins no more. God examples what forgiveness looks like, and we are recipients of that forgiveness. So I want to encourage us in our relationships. People are going to fail us. And let's be quick to throw the lifeline of forgiveness out to others. Let's be quick to say, do you know what? I forgive you. Yeah, I'm hurt. But do you know what? I forgive you and I'm not going to allow bitterness and I'm not going to allow anger and I'm not going to allow disappointment to come in and begin to grow in my life as a result of that. Let's forgive one another. And sometimes we actually have to role model it by forgiving ourselves first. Do you know, sometimes we hold ourselves to really high account, don't we? We fail and other people can forgive us, but we don't forgive ourselves. But actually, God says, no, we can't live in the shadows of our mistakes. We can't live unforgiven in our own hearts, nor can we live unforgiving others. It says this in Ephesians um, 4, 32. We read it earlier. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3, 13 says this, make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. We're not perfect. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We can role model what it's like to our children, to our family, to our friends, to our work colleagues, that when they don't hit the mark, that we're quick to forgive and throw at the lifeline of a second chance. And I think that demonstrates beautifully how to navigate the mistakes of life. We see it with Jesus, don't we? After he died and he came back um, in his resurrected body, he went and prepared um, breakfast for Peter and the disciples after they had been fishing. Now, Peter had denied Jesus three times. So at the most important time of Jesus' life, his disciple, who he'd invested his time and energy and love into, he'd role-modeled this life, actually denies Jesus. But Jesus doesn't say, right, I'm finished with you now. You did that. You let me down. You really hurt me. I'm finished with you now. I'm going to go find other people to invest in. No, Jesus throughout the lifeline of forgiveness, 
And he cooked breakfast for Peter on the beach to show him he'd forgiven him. And for you and I, there's no more beautiful thing than to extend forgiveness to those who need forgiveness. Let's not hold people's mistakes against them forever. Let's not hold things against people. In fact, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on an argument. Just, like, just be quick to forgive. Don't hold on to your rights. Don't hold on to stuff. Because often when we harbor unforgiveness, the only person that ends up being hurt is ourselves. Because we just keep on rehearsing that, that hurt, that offense, whatever it is. And it ends up causing us to be bitter. It ends up causing us to be disappointed, to be angry. And we just need to let it go and say, Jesus, will you help me to forgive this person? And in helping to forgive that person, you release yourself from a whole lot of stuff to make you free. And also you demonstrate to others the way that they can live when others may make mistakes and fail them as well. So let's be examples. The third thing that I want to say is plant well. There are certain laws that God has put in place for the world in which we live. There's a law of gravity. If I was to jump off this stage right now, it does not matter how much I want to fly up to the ceiling. As soon as I jump off this stage, I'm heading down because the law of gravity governs my actions. Equally, do you know there's a law of seed, time, and harvest? Okay, we'll be familiar with that, won't we? For agriculturally, a bit of a farmer's 101 here, I suppose. I'm no farmer, even though I may look like a farmer dressed like this today. <laughs> a milkmaid or something like that. <laughs> I'm no farmer, and I'm an aspiring land girl from the World War II. I'm no farmer, however, <laughs> However, what I do know is that a farmer knows that he needs to plant a seed in order to reap a harvest. Yeah? If we want to eat carrots, the farmer has to plant a carrot and then it will grow and then we reap a harvest of carrots. I do not walk around my patio in the summer crying because I can't pick strawberries. The reason why I don't cry because I am for not picking strawberries is because I've never planted a strawberry plant. I've planted cordyline. So my cordylines are never going to yield a strawberry to me, and I'm fully aware of that. I can only reap what I sow. Well, this law doesn't just govern agriculture. This law governs everything in relation to our lives. Galatians 6 says this, God will not be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. So today I propose to you and I that we need to plant well concerning our relationships. God says that we'll only reap what we sow. So what are we sowing into our relationships? What do our words look like? What do our actions look like? Are they filled with encouragement and blessing? The Bible says that our words are to be like gifts to encourage and to build up. Are we sowing that into our relationships? Are we sowing the best kind of seed? Because whatever we plant, we will reap. We don't want to plant discord. 
We don't want to plant negativity. I don't want to be planting seeds of doubt, seeds of condemnation into the fields of the people that I love. No, I want to use my words and my actions to plant well into the people that I love, to sow words of kindness and tender-hearted mercy, to be full of forgiveness. I want to plant those seeds into my relationships because I want a harvest that's filled with flourishingness. Is that a word, flourishingness? I want a a harvest that's filled, I don't know, bountiful and wonderful and enjoyable. I don't want to be eating sour pickle relationships. If I'm honest, I want chocolate bar relationships, not sour pickle relationships. Okay, but I've got to choose the seed that I plant concerning my relationships. So I want to encourage you to plant well. Consider what you're planting. Consider your words. Consider the way that you talk about your child, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your family member. How are you speaking? Are you speaking words of life over them? Are you speaking words that contain future and hope because that's what we're to sow into people's lives and are you sowing bountifully are you sowing bountifully if you withdraw the bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger but the world of the um, gosh but otherwise what happens with withholding tends to poverty We're not to be um, people that don't sow lavishly. We're to sow lavishly because when we do, we see our worlds expand. When we withhold, we have nothing to draw upon and it works like that for our relationships. We don't want to have, be a negative equity in concern relation to our relationships. Listen to what Galatians 6 says. It says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. So I want to encourage you, whether you're in a summer season right now, or whether you're maybe in your relationships, not in a summer season, I want to encourage you to sow well. The Bible says our words have the power of life and death attached to them. So we need to choose to speak life over our relationships. We need to choose to speak well over our relationships. And all that we can do and all the way that we can speak is all contained in the word of God. So if you're like, well, what do I do? Read the book. Read the book. Dig in and find out what the book says. Read the book because it's all contained. It's open in full view. God's not hiding any of this. But be a wise seed planter. Consider what what you want in the future and sow for it now. And honestly, the Bible declares, not Faye, the Bible declares that if we will continue to sow and we won't grow weary in doing good, we will reap a harvest and it will be a harvest based on the seed in which we've sown. So I want to encourage us all to plant well. And then finally, I want to encourage us concerning our relationships, concerning the way that we plan for our relationships, is to gain strength. I love that there is a part of our walk with God that can cause us to be strengthened. It doesn't matter what season we're in, 
summer or winter, we can find strength in this part of our walk with God. I love that there's a part of our walk with God that is of such priority to him that he says we need to engage in it daily. And he, Jesus role modeled it for us when he walked this earth. You may be saying, Faye, what is this part of our walk with God that God places so high? He actually says it's not an optional extra of the Christian walk. It's actually a necessity. Okay, it's not an if, it's a when. So God says there's a part of our walk that can cause us to gain strength. And that part of our life found in Christ is found through prayer. Prayer enables us to gain strength. Prayer is not this thing that gets done on a Sunday in church. It's not this thing that has to happen at a set time, at a set location. No, prayer can happen 24-7. It's a conversation between us and God. And it's our opportunity to involve the creator of the universe in our lives. It's our opportunity for us to let him know how we're feeling. Let him know. He says, cast all your cares for me, for I care for you. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He wants to know what concerns us. If it's big enough to concern you, it's big enough to concern God. And he wants us to cast our cares on him. He wants us to let us know where we're concerned. Is it a family member you're concerned about? Is it your own life you're concerned about? Are you looking for direction? Are you wanting to know about your future? He says, let me know. Involve me in this. You don't have to do this on your own. And the beautiful thing about prayer is that when we pray, which God says pray without ceasing, it's it's like this conversation. Have you ever been going through something and you're like, I just need to chat with this person and you chat with them and you come away feeling so much better. Well, we've got 24-7 access to chat with God. Let him know. And the thing I've found about prayer is I never come away from talking with God feeling more oppressed feeling more depressed, feeling more burdened. No, I find when I go to God and I say, God, actually, I'm inviting you into this because I haven't got a clue what to do. I find that I come away strengthened. I find I come away at peace and I find that I come away with fresh perspective. So we need to come to God to gain strength for our lives because when we do, we begin to see God coming in and doing the things that we cannot do. Do you know what? There's a great scripture in Psalm 92 that David says, and I want to encourage you concerning our life of prayer. It says, but the godly will flourish like palm trees. Now, I want to let you know about this because a palm tree is a really interesting tree. Not only does it look beautiful, but do you know what? In the midst of a storm, it never cracks and breaks or snaps in half. Okay, in the midst of a storm, a palm tree bends. A palm tree has the ability to bend in the middle of a, um, a typhoon and a hurricane. In the strongest of winds, you will not see a palm tree snap in half. Instead, it bends low. It bends low. But do you know the beautiful thing about that bending low? When that tree comes back up. You'd think because how much stress had been exerted on it, you'd think it would weaken, wouldn't you? But no, it doesn't. 
A palm tree, as it's exposed to the storms of life, and as it bends low, when it comes back up, it's actually strengthened. It's actually strengthened. You know, prayer is us bending low to God. In the storms of life, we bend low to him, and we say, God, give me wisdom. God, show me how to deal with this situation. God, give me strength and discernment for this relationship. God, I pray for my family member. I'm bending low but when I bend low I'm not going to break when I bend low I'm there before the throne of God inviting the king of kings and lords and lords into the situation yes the storm may rage but I tell you what when I get back up I'm strengthened I'm not depleted in any way I'm strengthened and so I want to encourage you today to be people that pray be people that gain strength through prayer you may not see things evidenced in your relationships now or in the natural but I want to encourage you, invite the King of Kings into the midst of the storm. Invite the King of Kings into the midst of your family and you will watch God do what only he can do because the Bible says the heart of man is in the hand of the Lord. God holds everything in place and he can change any situation. And if you're here today and you're believing God for a change, you're believing God for answer to prayer, I want to encourage you, keep on praying. You'll be strengthened from the prayer. You'll never be weakened. And not only that, God will have his way. And to encourage you today, I'd love you to watch the screen right now as we've got Andrea, who was in our first service earlier, just to encourage us about the power of prayer in our lives for our loved ones. I sit here today as a testament of a praying mother and I just want to thank my mom for diligently, diligently praying for us as children and um, yeah, just believing and having faith in, um, in the unseen, truly in the unseen. Because for 21 years I was unsaved and for 21 years um, the, re- the result of the prayer wasn't seen. There was no evidence of it. Um, and um, today I can sit here and say that um, the prayer of the righteous <laughs> availed much. Um, and yes, I just want to thank my mom for that. Um, from a very young age, I can remember every evening walking into my mom's room and her being on her knees praying. Um, I know that she has shed many tears on her knees, crying out to God for answers to to a, a, a very um, lost girl with an eating disorder, with anxiety problems, that hang out with the wrong crowds, that made the wrong choices, that had a very bad sibling, rival, uh, sibling rivalry. Um, and I knew my mom was praying, um, fervently praying, um, on her knees, crying in her hands, just for our souls, praying for um, better decisions, praying for um, eating disorders, and praying for for the situation to change. And today I sit here as a result to give all glory to God that transform has has been transforming me and continuously transform me, taking me from a girl with extreme anxiety to one um, that is liberated and at peace and um, walking with him hand in hand um, to someone that had an eating disorder and um, to someone 
that has is, um, has a balanced relationship with her body um, from someone that had a terrible sibling rivalry with my sister. We had a very bad relationship to being my best friend and um, from someone that had the wrong, wrong friends and the impact of wrong people in my life um, to someone that is married to the most wonderful, loving, respecting man. Um, and I, I can just say thank you for my mom for keeping on believing in God's faithfulness and keep on praying that um, there will be evidence. And today it is evident um, in the relationship that I have with God. And I know she is... Um, rejoicing because she has two daughters that serve the Lord and um, and I just want to encourage you to keep on praying keep on believing that that which you are praying for for your loved ones will come to pass because sometimes it does take time and sometimes it and most of the time it is quite a process a lengthy process but it will come to pass believing and trusting in God and in God's faithfulness towards us not what we have done but what he is doing and what he has already done for us on the cross so I want to encourage you with that because I know that times like we said life can't be scripted and sometimes the people that we love are going in a direction that we really don't want for them but we can gain strength through prayer we can bend low and pray to God and invite the King of Kings into our situations, knowing that he changes and transforms. He has the ability to blow our minds in the way that he answers prayer. So this morning, through just the simplicity of my words, I just pray that you'll be encouraged to realize that God has and planning nature concerning our lives. He's planned for our lives, for them to flourish. And he wants us to plan for our lives, for us to flourish in all areas, including in our relationships. So let's gain strength through prayer. Let's pray, plant well through our words and through our actions. Let's allow the word of God to be evidenced in our lives to be role models to the people that we love. And let's choose each day to respond, to make a conscious decision, to put on our new nature, to clothe ourselves in the fruits of the Spirit, in everything that God has for us. And if we do that, I believe as we allow the Lord to lead us in a more excellent way, we'll be amazed at the harvest that we will reap from our relationships. We'll be amazed to see how our relationships grow and they flourish. So this morning, if you're here today, keep going. Keep going. If you believe in God for change, keep going. Keep believing. And let's allow this word to work through all of our lives because we want, don't we, to, to walk in everything that God has for us. So be blessed today. Be encouraged and know that God is for you. He's not against you. He's working towards his end, which is filled with hope and future for each of our lives. God bless you all.